And that is what Easter is all about. Seen that video six times now, and I get goosebumps every time I see it, which is awesome. So, hey, happy Easter, Oakwood. We're so glad you're here this morning. And uh, just, just to celebrate the risen Savior and the hope of eternal life and what it means for all of us. And uh, we just want to proclaim that. And, and uh, worship was awesome this morning. Um, if you're not on fire, your wood's wet, okay? So we need to get that, get that working for you. There's something I want to point out this morning because we haven't had this in 11 years here at Oakwood. So for some of you uh, Oakwood members, Oakwood oldies, we may call you, uh, that were here 11 years ago, we actually have the stained glass. Do you, do you remember the stained glass that's above the screens? Yeah, those have been covered for 11 years, and uh, we had some guys uh, that wanted to resurrect that and, and to bring them back to life, and so we backlit them with LED, and so, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen those in a while, it's just like, wow, that's so awesome. We're uh, excited to have those back and for all that hard work. You know, we've been doing Easter here at Oakwood the whole weekend. I mean, Friday night, we started right in here with our uh, Tenebrae service. Uh, that, was, that was an awesome time. Yesterday, we had Easter extravaganza. Um, had lots and lots of people, lots and lots of kids come through, uh, get, uh, get a gospel presentation, and also have some fun with their families yesterday. And it all culminates with this, because this is the single most important event that ever happened in all of human history. The Son of God was sent to the world and, and was killed and crucified and raised from the dead. And that changed everything. We've been in a series for the last few weeks called Jesus is for Everyone because truly, Jesus is for everyone. He's for the lost person. He, he's for the saved person. He, he's, for, he's for everyone. He died and sacrificed to offer new life and eternal life to everyone who would accept him. Today, the title of the message is Easter is for Everyone because the resurrection is for everyone as well. Let's read about that this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. Mark 16. If you didn't bring your Bible this morning, we've got you covered. There should be one in the seat there around you. Or you are always welcome to grab your phone or your tablet. And uh, you can get online, go to the Oakwood app. And if you download that and go to Sermon Notes, all the notes and the scriptures are there for you. There's even a way for you to interact with the sermon by taking notes. You can save your notes there. We just want you to engage in the Word of God together this morning. So uh, Mark's Gospel, uh, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8, that's going to be our main passage this morning. And so let's read about what happened uh, from Mark's Gospel on that first Easter morning. It says this, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Well, let's just pause there for a second to understand a couple of things that's going on here. Uh, first of all, uh, they went on Easter Sunday morning, and we're going to read here in a second, it was very early in the morning, and, and, and when they went to do this, they were actually doing something uh, that was ceremonial to them. You see, when Jesus had died on Friday, uh, they had this thing called the Sabbath, and there were these Sabbath laws, even in Passover week. And, and, and because of that, you couldn't work after sundown on Friday. So when Jesus actually died on Friday, uh, they had to very hurriedly get him off the cross and get him into a tomb. And if you remember the story from reading the Gospels, you understand that there was a guy named Joseph of Arimathea who very boldly went to the Roman authorities and said, can I please have the body of Jesus? The Roman authorities are like, is he already dead? 
I mean, they were kind of surprised. They went and checked. They said, yes, he is indeed dead. And, and okay, if he's dead completely, you can have his body. We're going to put him in this tomb. We're going to roll a big stone in the way. We're going to seal the tomb. And all that had to be done before sundown. And so what, what I imagine is these ladies were like, you know, we left this to the guys Friday night. We were in a hurry. We didn't do a great job with this. And so they bought these spices because they were going to go and rewrap the body of their Savior, Jesus Christ, because they were kind of in a hurry to do it Friday. So, so now we're, we're here, it's Sunday morning, they're on the way to the tomb, they had bought these spices, and they were going back to anoint Jesus' body. Verse 2, very early on that first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Now they weren't, they weren't thinking about that. Now the, this stone, most scholars believe, was somewhere between 800 and 1,500 pounds, so it's not, you know, like this little thing. And the ladies were going to have a struggle with this. I mean, let's be honest, two or three guys would have a hard time rolling this stone away from the mouth of Jesus' tomb. And they're concerned about that. They're like, man, we're, we need to get in there to do this to his body, but the stone is going to stand between us and, and, and what, we're, what we're to be doing. And go to verse 4. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed because of the glory. And don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go. Tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. And trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. And they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. They were startled. Now, you know if you read Matthew Mark, Luke, and John, and you read some of the other resurrection accounts, that they didn't stay quiet long, did they? No, they went back and they told the disciples. The disciples came. And Peter even came to see the empty tomb of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Most important words in that passage we just read are three little words in verse 6. He has risen. He has risen. If you read that in the other gospel accounts, you'll find those exact three words in the exact same order, the exact same words. He has risen. He is a risen Savior. And he is our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And because of that, that fact changes everything. That fact changes everything. Because the way we live our life, who we live our life for, and the hope that we can have, it changes everything. Peter proclaimed this first in Acts chapter 2 as he was preaching to a crowd there in Jerusalem. He said, this, this Jesus, whom you crucified, is both Lord and Messiah, Savior. Because he didn't stay dead in the tomb. Or he should have. He had the power of the resurrection because he was the son of God. Because of that, we celebrate. 
We make a big deal about Easter, right? Easter's the best day of the year, and not only for us, but there are millions and millions, yes, even hundreds of millions of people around the world today celebrating the fact that we serve a risen Savior, celebrating the fact that he conquered over death, and because of that, we can have hope and we can have a way to have eternal life with God in heaven, and it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's only because of what we observe and what we celebrate on Easter. So how can we learn some of this Easter story and how can we apply it to our lives? What are some things we can pull out of just eight verses in the book of Mark and put them into action? I want to share with you some thoughts this morning in our, in our brief time together. The first one is this. We need to let God roll the stone away. You need to let God roll the stone away. Let, let me explain what I mean. The women were on their way to the tomb. Do you remember that? Let's, let's, read, let's read verse 3 again. It says, and they asked each other, they're going to the tomb, they got the spices, they got a plant, and they asked each other on the way, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? And in verse 4, the next verse, it says that stone was very large. But when they got there, it had already been rolled away. This was a concern to them. This was something that was maybe overwhelming to them. There's no way that the three of us can move this rock And though it was overwhelming and though it was concerning to them, it was like nothing to God. You see, God had gone before them and had already taken care of the situation. I think it's a good reminder to us that we need to do the same thing, that we need to let God roll those stones away, that when we are on the way to the next thing that God wants us to do, the next thing that's coming up in our life, and we get and we encounter this stone that is large and that is blocking our entrance into the next thing, we need to be reminded to let God roll the stone away. Because how many times do we try to do that on our own? We try to do something on our own and and we're, we're pushing and we're trying to force something and it just won't move without God's help. But we understand that God is all powerful and that God still moves stones today. Maybe for you it is worry about the future. Worry about the future has been making a lot of stock these days, hasn't it? Maybe for you it is a sickness that just won't go away. It's discouraging. And maybe you're scared. You need to let God Move that stone. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's relational struggles. It's relationships. Maybe it's a, it's a guy-girl relationship in your life. Or maybe it's a friendship. Or maybe it's some estranged family relationship. Maybe for some of you, it's this addiction that you just keep going back to that just seems to control you. And you don't ever think that you'll ever quite be able to move that stone from your life. For some of you, it's this haunting failure of the past. It's this past sin. It just seems to always stay there with you. For some of you, it's the consequences of past sinful choices that are still with you today. But whatever it is, we need to remember that God is still in the business of rolling stones away today. And the greatest barrier that you may be facing in your life, you might need to call upon the Lord and to remind yourself that if you are his child, God's got this. Let God roll the stone away. 
That's what these ladies had to do Easter morning. Second thing this morning is do not be alarmed. Do not be alarmed. Let's let's look at that in verse 6. See, when this angel appeared to them from inside the tomb, as they went inside the tomb, he said, the first thing he said to them was, don't be alarmed. And yet we read the rest of the story, and it's kind of like, hey, they stayed alarmed. But but he he greeted them with this, don't be alarmed. He said, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Do not be alarmed. We are in a very alarmist environment these days. It's been an alarmist type of year. I mean, do you remember where we were this time last year? We were online. We were really excited as church staff because this was the week we moved back into the sanctuary and recorded a service in here on stage. Social distance, of course, right? We had been recording out actually out here in the lobby. We had built a studio and hung these drapes and the ceiling tiles around to deaden the sound. But we really wanted to get back in here. We were just still trying to figure out, you know, having to pivot with a five days notice. Oh, yeah, you need to be online this weekend or you won't have a church service together. But we were all, we were all there last year, right? Do you remember this? We were, we were online and, and we were so excited to be back in here. But we recorded that service on a Thursday. And I remember being sad on a Sunday, to think that the Lord's church building would be empty on Easter. And though that may have been a time where we were all scared and we didn't know much about this, this virus and, and you know, we were told to lock down and hunker down and we were told to do all of these things and we were all trying to be, you know, care about each other and be good citizens and do what we were supposed to do, you have to admit it was kind of It was kind of depressing, and though we celebrated online as best we could, to the best of our ability, the joy of the resurrection of Jesus, this alarmist mentality was perpetrating our culture. And for a lot of us, it has continued. Anyone watch the news? Oh, you're smart if you don't. (laughs) Anyone read, read the paper lately or get online and watch what's going on in our world Watch what's going on in the media. Crazy. Watch what's going on in society. This is stuff that's going on today that I never thought I would see in the United States of America, the country that I was born in. Never thought I'd see this stuff. I'm part of a generation called Generation X. We were the first generation they started naming, so they were like, oh, we're going to call them the Xers, you know. Not, not short for exorcism or anything, anything like that. <laughs> Generation X, and then we had Generation Y and Z and Millennials, and yeah, you knew. And then we even went back behind us and Boomers, and you, you, you know the drill. Generation X. I just feel like we grew up in a different world, being honest. Are there any Xers here today? You raise your hand. Very good. Oh, man, lots of, lots of Xers. That's good. Yeah, Generation X. That, we were the last generation, if you didn't know this, we were the last generation that actually played outside until dark. You know why? It's because we felt safe in our world. We were some of the last ones to watch Saturday morning cartoons before they got canceled. Yeah, Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner show. I'm sure that's like offensive to somebody, but, you know, Tom and Jerry. I, yeah, I, I'm, I 
hate if Woody Woodpecker offends you. Um, I mean, you know, those, those are good cartoons. And, and you remember having your bowl of cereal and watching them on Saturday morning. That's what you did as a kid. And it seemed right and it seemed safe. And we weren't really worried about what was going on in the world. We were probably the last generation that our parents would let us leave the house without a cell phone. Is that not crazy? I mean, our parents, how irresponsible, sent us everywhere without cell phones. Sometimes on bicycles. We would ride miles to a friend's house across town on a bicycle. Be home by dark. No cell phone. My parents were crazy enough. They sent me to college in Dallas, Texas without a cell phone. Now, we had cell phones back then. They were called bag phones. You remember the bag phones? But no one could afford one. They were like $1,500, and to talk on them, it was like $7 a minute. And so you just didn't use it. You had it, but you never used the bag phone. <laughs> Unless you had a flat tire, then that flat tire was going to cost you a couple hundred dollars just in the phone call. But, I mean, what a world we lived in, right? And I remember not being scared, not being too alarmed much about anything. I wonder if we need verse 6 today more than ever. Hey, church. Hey, Christians, I know, oh, but the economy, we don't know, the, the, the nation's going trillions and trillions of dollars in debt, and, and marriages are breaking up, and the, the divorce rate is just soaring right now, suicide statistics are high, and ah, just, we just feel so alarmed. You know, the God of heaven reaches down through an empty tomb and says, hey, hey, do not be alarmed. Do not be alarmed. I'm still on the throne. And there's nothing this world is going to throw at me or at you that will dethrone me from the throne of heaven. God's got this. Do not be alarmed. If you find yourself this morning being in this place where you're like, I don't don't have hope. I don't have a lot of hope. I, I don't find rest like I used to rest. And I don't find rest today like I used to. At the beginning of 2020... In January, we did a series here called Anxious for Nothing. This was our theme verse from that series that may speak well into our hearts today. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this to the believer. Do not be anxious about anything. Anything? Anything. But in every situation, every, like every situation, every situation, Wow, this is interesting already. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, how, how, how? By prayer and petition, focusing on the Lord, presenting your request to Him, remembering Him, going before the Lord constantly, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, a thankful heart for what? For the resurrection. A thankful heart for who God is and what He has done done for us through Jesus Christ. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And what's the effect of that? And the peace of God. A peace that you can't attain on your own. The peace of God that transcends all understanding. We can't even understand it, really. Those people you look at sometimes, they have the worst circumstances in life, and they're like, oh, I've got peace. And you're like, how do you do it? They have the peace of God that transcends all understanding, and it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How? It's in Christ Jesus. That's how. 
It's in Christ Jesus. And don't we need our hearts and our minds guarded today? You say, how is this possible? There's an empty tomb. There's an empty tomb. God sent his son to die, but he rose again. So do not be alarmed. Just as these ladies were shaken, (laughs) we just came to do some burial spices on Jesus' body. We encounter an empty tomb, an angel, a stone rolled away. We get to the next part, and it speaks to us, come and see. It says, see the place where they laid him. Come and see the place where they laid him. Uh, Look there in verse 6. He says, after he says, don't be alarmed, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. And then what does the angel say after that? See the place where they laid him. Come and see for yourself. Come and see. You know, the angel could have said right then to these ladies, to these followers of Jesus, who had been with Jesus, who had cared very much about Jesus. The angel could have said, why didn't you listen to him? You knew this was going to happen. That wasn't his approach, though. He said, hey, come and see for yourself. Come, Come and see where they laid him right here. Come and see some burial cloths that used to cover the body of Jesus. And when you have struggles, and when you have doubts, and when you're skeptical about the faith that you have in Jesus Christ, you're invited to come and see again. Come and see where they laid him. Come and take note. Come and read the word of Scripture. Come to a church and study the word of Scripture and learn. Learn of the faith and learn the things of God. And note There is a risen Savior. Note that even outside of the Bible and the biblical texts, it's noted that Jesus was alive. He was seen after he had been dead and buried. He resurrected from the dead. And then you have this choice to make that everybody that encounters encounters Jesus has this choice to make. You accept or you reject the love and the grace of God through his son, Jesus Christ. If you choose to accept it in faith, that it is true, then it changes your life forever and it changes your eternal destination. And it brings hope and it brings joy. And that's why we've been in this series for several weeks called Jesus is for Everyone. And we've really challenged, been challenged through the scripture to practice evangelism, the Great Commission, make disciples. How do you do that? You go, you baptize them, you teach them to obey everything I commanded you. It's Matthew 28. Some last words Jesus spoke before he ascended into heaven with the heavenly Father was these marching orders for all believers. And some of us need to invite our friends. Come and see for yourself. Come and see where they laid him. Come and see evangelism. Bring them into your group. Bring them into your home. Invite them into your church. Come and see the place where they laid him. The last thing this morning is really simple. Go tell others. Go tell others. Do not keep this to yourself. Look at verse 7. It says, but go tell his disciples and Peter. 
Interesting that the angel tells these ladies, go tell the disciples and Peter. Why is that? Peter was a disciple. So he's covered. Like the angel could have just said, go tell the disciples. And that would include Peter because he was a disciple. But he says specifically, go tell the disciples and Peter. Why? Do you remember who Peter was? Really one of the closest disciples to Jesus. Jesus had said some amazing things to Peter, like on this rock, on this Peter Petros, his name meant rock. On this rock, I will build my church. And you're going to be a part of that, Peter. Acts chapter 2, when the church gets its birth in the book of Acts, it's Peter preaching the gospel to all that would receive it in Jerusalem. At the end of that chapter, it says that there were 3,000 baptisms that day. Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Because Peter was a denier. Do you remember that? Jesus had told him, Peter, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. You'll deny that you ever knew me three times. How many of us sometimes deny Christ? Maybe not the same way Peter did when someone comes and says, hey, are you a Christian? Oh, no, I'm not a Christian. I don't know Jesus at all. Maybe it's not like that. But maybe it's through our words. Maybe it's through our actions. We could find ourselves identifying with Peter as a denier of Jesus. And I'm sure after Jesus died and was buried, Peter just was torn up about it. And yet this angel in heaven cares about the Peters because he says, go and tell the disciples and Peter. The command for these ladies is to go and tell. Go and tell. Go tell others because of Jesus' power, because he's resurrected from the dead, because of the great love that he and the Heavenly Father have for all of us, because of the power it took to overcome the grave, go share that truth with others so they can too have resurrected lives and resurrected faith. You see, the problem is, and I don't know if this is like an American church problem or if it's like a worldwide church problem, is we hear Scripture and we're supposed to apply it and to put it into practice, and we don't. One of my favorite scriptures from when I was a teenager that just stayed with me all these years and because it's such a challenge to me to actually walk what the scripture says is found in James chapter 1, verse 22. And James 1, 22 says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If you think about it, it's like it's saying that if you listen to the word, don't do it and deceive yourself by not doing what it says, by not putting this into practice. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Let's put it into practice this morning. I want you to close your eyes for just a minute. It'll only, it'll only be for a little bit. Close your eyes. Because I just want you to focus and concentrate. I want you to have somebody come into your mind right now that you know is not walking with the Lord. Someone who is not saved, they haven't responded to the gospel even if they've heard it. I want you to think of that person. Get that person by name in your mind. Is, is it your brother? Is it your sister? Is it your mom, your dad, your grandpa, your grandma? Maybe it's one of your kids. Maybe it's someone from work. It's that coworker. 
Maybe it's, maybe it's a friend, someone that, that's been a good friend to you. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a classmate that you haven't seen in years. But you see the Facebook posts and you see the lostness. Get that person by name in your mind right now who needs the good news about Jesus, who needs to accept Christ, who needs the love of God in their life. I want you to pray for them right now by name. You've you've thought of that person. God has put them in your mind. He's put them on your heart right now. I want you to pray for them right now. Let's give you a moment here. Pray for them. Take them before the Lord. Lord, save this person. I bring them before you. God, do some miraculous work here. Pray that someone would talk to them about Jesus. That someone would share with them. Now I want you to say amen. Just declaring at the end of a prayer, so be it. And open your eyes. That's good. What we just did was good. Believers should do this. We want to take it a step further. Most of you came in this morning, you have one of these with you. Some kind of device, a tablet, or a phone. I want you to get that out right now. Go and get out your phone. It's okay. The preacher said it's okay. Been throwing elbows the whole time, looking at the clock, and I'm like, hey. No, he said it's okay. Get out your phone. And we're going to take it a step further. I want you to text the person that you just prayed for. Just text them right now. It doesn't have to be anything loaded like, you know, hey, I hope you're convicted of your sins and come to Jesus right now in this moment. No, how about this? Don't you, don't you kind of like it sometimes when someone says they're praying for you? Just, just send them that right now. Just say, hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this morning. Praying for you this morning and I, I, I'd love to get together for coffee this week and just talk to you. I got something on my heart I want to share with you. Go ahead, send it right now. Now, some of you are like, oh, no, I want to commit. Like, that's like deep into the pool, like Christian stuff. And I don't even know if I have the right words. Good, good. The Holy Spirit is going to do amazing work in your life, and you're going to be amazed at how God used you. Do you care about this person? Do you care about their eternal destination? And could you just reaching out to them make a difference? I'll answer it for you. Absolutely yes. Send the text. Just tell them, hey, I just want to do lunch this week. I just got something on my heart. I just, I have to share it with you. The preacher told me to. No, I'm just kidding. I'm praying for you. Just something, maybe you just need to keep it really vague and simple. I just want you to know, I'm praying for you, and I want to talk to you sometime. Now, for some of you, I know it's like I can't get together with them because the person in my mind is in California right now. That's okay. Tell them, hey, I want to set up a FaceTime this week because there's something I want to share with you. I want to set up a time to make a phone call. Do something for that person because God put them in your mind and in your heart for a reason. And the same resurrection power that you claim to have as a follower of Jesus Christ, they need it or you wouldn't have been thinking about them or praying for them. So take a step. You know what's cool? What happened last service? I had somebody come up to me after the service. He came up and he said, you know what? I just want you to know, my wife and I thought of the same person and we sent a text to the same person. Got goosebumps on that one. It was a family member. Wow. 
He's like, I can't wait to talk to him. He's probably freaking out. <laughs> Got two texts saying, we're praying for you. I want to get together and talk to you. And It's going to be neat to see what God does. Because he, he, he told these ladies after he showed them the power of the resurrection, go and tell others. Do something for the gospel. Go and tell others. Because Jesus' resurrection is the most important event in all of history. And everyone needs to know it's for them. The Easter is for them. Easter is for everyone. Jesus, Jesus, don't, don't be selfish. Jesus didn't just die for you. He died for everyone. He loves everyone. And all the messed up people and all the messed up world, he died for all of that. And then he didn't stay dead. He is risen. Jesus is alive. He says, I overcame all of that. And because of that, I'm telling you, if you'll follow me, life is going to be okay. If you think about it, it's the message from the very beginning of Scripture. From, from all the way back in Genesis to all the way to the end of Revelation, the message of Scripture is that God is in control. God has this. And if you walk with him, everything's going to be okay. I mean, you think about it just in terms of the New Testament. How does the New Testament start? Most of you know that starts with what? The birth of Jesus, right? Jesus is born. What happens in that, in that field at night, the night that Jesus was born? Angels appear to shepherds in the middle of the night. What's the first thing that's out of their mouth? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which is for all people, for everyone, everywhere. For unto you is born this day a Savior in the city of David, and he is Christ the Lord. What was he saying? What was the message? Everything's going to be okay. When John the Baptist, you, you remember John the Baptist first encounters Jesus? How he greets Jesus to this crowd of people. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes on the sins of the world. He was sending a message through John the Baptist. Hey, everything's going to be okay. When Jesus was talking to his disciples and his followers, he says, I have come that you may, not, that you may have peace. And he warns him, he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. It's foreshadowing that resurrection power. And Jesus is saying to his followers, everything's going to be okay. And when Jesus is on the cross, he, he said many things. One of the things he said was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But at the very end, before he drew his last breath on the cross, he said, it is finished. What's finished, Jesus? Salvation. Through my blood. When Jesus says it is finished, he was saying, hey, everything's going to be okay. And on Easter Sunday morning, there was this tomb with a rock in front of it, and some people went to see it. God had rolled the stone away. There were angels there that proclaimed to them, he is not here, he is risen. And with that message, he said, hey, everything is going to be okay. Just come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me as the son of God, and I will give you rest. And I'll give you a peace that transcends human understanding that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that is the story of Easter. And that's the meaning of Easter, that the son of God, died and resurrected to save the world. What will you do with Jesus?
Everyone has a decision to make. To respond to this this morning, we have the great privilege to take Holy Communion together. And hopefully when you came in this morning, you got one of our little portable communion cups. It's got bread on one side and juice on the other. If you're with us online, uh, hopefully this morning you made those preparations. But as you, as you take this this morning, I want to remind you that it was in the upper room with the disciples the night before Jesus died on the cross. He was celebrating Passover with the disciples, and he took the bread, and, and he broke it, and he passed it around to his disciples. He said, take and eat. This now represents my body, which is going to be broken for you. And every time you do this, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. I want to keep the sacrifice central in your life. And then he took the cup, the fruit of the vine, and he blessed it, and he passed it around. He said, take, drink. This is my blood, which is poured out for you. You do this in remembrance of me. And what's awesome about Easter is there's hundreds of millions of Christians all around the world and all the different denominations that maybe don't take it but once a quarter, only on Sunday nights, twice a month or whatever. It's usually on Easter, everybody gets to take communion. We're taking this around the Lord's table with Christians all around the world today. I feel like it's the day the whole family of God gets together and remembers the body and the blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This morning, when you taste your communion, remember that that's the taste of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. And celebrate. Take communion with a smile on your face today if you're in the Lord Jesus because this is a joyous occasion because he is risen. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray in these next few moments, continue to speak into our minds and our hearts. God, that we would make good on telling others about this resurrection power that's resurrected us. God, you're still in, in, in the business of moving stones out of the way today, giving us peace in this world that's full of chaos. And all of this is only possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so we partake with Christians everywhere this morning, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And we proclaim his death and his resurrection until he comes again. And God, we thank you for this hope that we have. I just pray that this moment that we spend with you is just precious to us this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to give you just a minute here to partake of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ.